Psalm chapter 32, this is Psalm of David, and uh, it's important. I, I love this psalm. It's one that I've taught uh, to a lot of people many times. It's a, it's a great psalm for counseling people when they're depressed. Uh, I've, I've taught it uh, to young people, to college people. I know I've taught it here at least once or twice before, but not a, not a number of years. Uh, psalm 32 tonight, David, uh, we meet him initially celebrating uh, the joy, the blessings, the realities of being forgiven. Uh, and then he talks about a time before he had confessed his sins. He talks about the, the blessings of, of being forgiven of sin. Uh, and then pretty quickly, immediately, really, uh, by the time we get to verse 3, he's talking about uh, a time before he had confessed, I think, a certain sin as a believer, as a man of God who had some sin in his life. Steve, it could have been any number of things, we, we know. Uh, he, he recounts, he recalls a time when there was sin in his life that was not confessed, that he had not dealt with. Uh, the Lord, no doubt, was convicting him, but he had not yet confessed that sin to the Lord. Uh, in our, he goes on and he talks about the consequences of not having confessed that sin. And you could sum it up with one word. He was depressed. <laughs> that, that sin and, and the weight of the conviction that he carried uh, as a man of God, having sin in his life, the Lord was no doubt dealing with him about it, but his, his refusal for a time to get right with God on that, to confess it, uh, led him to a difficult place, a place of depression. And he, he describes that. It doesn't sound good at all. And, and, and you know, uh, we've been there. Uh, when God's dealing with us and we're, we're resisting for whatever reason, you know, our pride or our enjoyment of our sin or whatever it is, uh, just not wanting to do business with the Lord, you, you know that can, that can take you to a, a difficult place emotionally and spiritually. And David describes that. And Mike, then he says, uh, finally, I got to a place where I, I said, you know what, I, I just had to get right with the Lord. I just had to confess it. Uh, and then he talks about all the various blessings that God poured into his life uh, for simply confessing the sin, uh, agreeing with the Lord, yep, I, I'm guilty of that sin. And uh, repentance is, is uh, implied and forsaking the sin is implied. Uh, but he, he, just, he just begins to praise the Lord for all of the different blessings uh, that God pours into his life. And the last thing we'll see uh, is that where, where he began clearly describing something that was you know, a real depression uh, before he confessed his sin, after confessing his sin at the end of the chapter, you'll see he's, he's joyful. Uh, he's, he's rejoicing, and he gives God credit for pouring that, that joy and rejoicing into his heart as a blessing uh, for having confessed that sin. So that's, that's kind of the flow of the chapter tonight. Uh, we'll see that. Um, I understand tonight, Gary, that um, having uh, sin... Uh, having sin in our lives that God is dealing with us about that we refuse to confess is one of the, it's sort of the, the big thing the Lord points to in Scripture uh, as a spiritual cause of depression. There's other things that we can see in Scripture, having too much of a focus on ourselves and too little of a focus on, on God. You see that in Psalm 77. Uh, but in general terms, in general terms, I always bring people here and say, listen, uh, if there's depression in our lives and it's not caused by you know, something that's overtly, incontrovertibly medical, 
Uh, most oppression is spiritual, and it's because we're not right with the Lord, but we, we get right with him. Aren't you glad for that tonight? Aren't you glad for that? Uh, I'm glad for that tonight, and uh, I've been down a little bit recently, and um, you know, you just have to take these things up yourself and say, you know, Lord, this is not just something I'm called to preach, something I'm called to live, right? And so I praise God. You know, uh, even a pastor can, can find himself down a little bit at times. And, well, that you meet the Lord uh, and his words and you, you take them up and you say, Lord, these are, these are words for me too. And um, God applies them to our hearts and just changes things. And praise, praise God for that. So uh, I'm going to pray. We'll, we'll jump in here. And uh, we'll see what God has to say tonight. I, I've told you what he says, Rich, but we'll let him say it for himself. Uh, Lord, thank you tonight for your words. Thank you, Lord, that we have uh, your very words preserved, uh, written down and preserved and translated uh, wonderfully accurately for us tonight. Lord, uh, we understand tonight and we're grateful that, that you know, you show us that you know that uh, your people find themselves uh, a little bit down at times, perhaps a bit depressed. And uh, Lord, we, we struggle at times for various reasons. Sometimes we're not sure, uh, but Lord, you show us the way out in your words. Father, we understand that often it's because our, our focus is too much on ourselves and, and too little on you. Uh, Lord, other times it's that there's just some sin, whatever it is. Maybe it's a big thing, maybe it's a little thing. But Lord, there's some sin that we need to confess. And when we do, you bless us and you pour uh, joy and rejoicing back into our spirit. Lord, thank you so much for that tonight. I am grateful. I pray tonight that um, you would arm us and equip us for those days and uh, help us, Lord, to see and receive and, and to remember these things uh, when tough times come. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you see here first tonight in, in verses one, or, 1 and 2, David kind of begins and ends talking about the joy uh, of having confessed sin. And, and uh, it's really kind of between these two bookends that he deals with the difficulty uh, and the depression that can come when, when we refuse to do that. So see here first uh, the title, Psalm of David. Uh, so we know for sure this is David. Uh, and then he says in verse 1, blessed or happy, right? Steve, blessing means, blessed means happy. Uh, happy is he whose transgression, uh, whose sin is forgiven. Uh, raise your hand tonight if you know for sure that your sins are forgiven. That's, that's a good thing, right? The uh, Bible says blessed or happy. You know, that, that should be a source of joy uh, and rejoicing. Sometimes you've got to stop and say, Oh boy, uh, maybe I've forgotten just what a joy that is. Uh, what a great and wonderful thing it is to know that my sins are forgiven and there's, there's no sin that stands between me and, and my Lord. It's because of Christ and the cross. And I don't have to worry about the consequences of sin, uh, not for one minute because uh, Christ died for me and gave me faith to place back upon him. And uh, I'm forgiven, praise God. He says, blessed is he whose transgression uh, is forgiven, whose sin is covered. My sin is covered by the blood of my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, since the day I repent of sin and place my faith in him. David says in verse 2, blessed is the man, happy is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity uh, and who, in whose spirit there is no guile, no deceit, uh, uh, sin, <laughs> sin. 
there's, there's some pretty uh, rich doctrine here in verse 2. Blessed is the man, happy the man, uh, unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. Uh, imputing has the idea of paying on to your account, right? And we know, we, we know enough doctrine, uh, Brother Art, to understand that uh, Christ died for us, he paid the price for us, and that when we turn to him and, and, and trust in him, the, the sacrifice he made, the penalty that he paid, is paid on to our account. Uh, his righteousness is imputed or paid on to my account. That's good doctrine here in verse 2, uh, and we can rejoice in that. That's an amazing thing. If you stop and think about it, how could it be that one man's death uh, gets paid on to my account. Well, that's, that's God's plan. <laughs> is Christ not just a man, of course. He's God the Son. And this is God's plan. This is God's truth. And uh, it's his choice. <laughs> it's his choice. And, of course, it's his desire. We can see here tonight, it's his desire that we would rejoice in, in these truths. Uh, not not kind of just dragging ourselves around, waiting to die, and knowing that we're on our way to hell. No, we, we know that we're we're on our way to heaven. We're we're heading into the presence of the Lord and His timing, of course, uh, and 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 just so so much so much to look forward to. Uh, you can make a note if you like that this these first two verses uh, Paul references them uh, in Romans four and and verse six. He says, even as David describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. So uh, Paul, writing under inspiration, quotes from these verses here uh, that David had written under inspiration hundreds of years earlier. It's just good to kind of understand where some of these um, wonderful passages get quoted uh, in the New Testament. Uh, look in verse 3. So... Again, you have these two bookends of, of joy at, at knowing that, that we're forgiven uh, and, and what a blessing that is. But between the bookends, David talks about the, the emotional consequences, again, of having sin that, that he had not dealt with. And I don't know, Art, if it's some specific sin here, the, the sin with Bathsheba or something else, brother. I, I don't know. God knows. David knows. But it doesn't really matter. Uh, what matters is, is that we understand the, the idea here. Uh, there was a time in David's life when there was sin and God was convicting him. Uh, and he had not dealt with it, and so it began to take a toll on him spiritually and emotionally. It's hard to unravel those two things, spiritually and emotionally. Uh, he says in verse 3, when I kept silence, uh, when I kept silence, when I uh, refused to confess my sin, in, in context here, uh, when, I, when I refused to confess, when, when I didn't speak uh, out of prayer, God, I, I agree with you, I confess. When I kept silence, he says, this poetic language, my bones waxed old through my roaring, uh, my, uh, my um, difficulty uh, all the day long. And uh, he says in verse 2, for day and night thy hand, Lord, he's praying here, was upon me. My moisture uh, is turned into uh, the drought of summer. Mike, that's poetic language. We understand that. But he, he's talking about the, I think there's, there's an allusion both to physical uh, and emotional aspects of, of depression here. Uh, it's interesting, brother, today scientists understand when people get depressed, uh, emotionally, it affects us physically. 
Uh, it can have a great toll on us physically. Uh, one, one of the medications for depression for a while was promoting that they're the antidepressant that was really good for pain. They said depression hurts. That was, that was their slogan. They understood that, they understand that uh, when we're depressed, it, it can affect our physical health in all kinds of ways. Uh, in, in, in general ways, but specific ways, including pain. David says, when, when I, when I refused to confess my sin, uh, there was depression, and it, it was physical, and it was emotional, and it was hard. My bones uh, waxed old. He felt like it was aging him right down and through his bones, uh, through my roaring all the day long. He just couldn't escape this uh, day in and day out. Uh, and then verse 4, for day and night, night in and night out, uh, uh, he says, Lord, it was as if your hand was heavy upon me, my moisture. He, felt, I, I felt, he just felt like he was dried up. Charles Spurgeon writes, the sap of his soul was dried, and uh, the body through sympathy appeared to be bereft of its uh, needful fluids, Spurgeon writes. The oil was almost gone from the lamp of life. The flame flickered as though it would soon expire. Unconfessed sin, like a fierce poison, dried up the fountain of David's strength and made him like a tree blasted by lightning or as a plant withered by the scorching heat of a tropical sun. Alas, for a poor soul, when it has learned its sin but forgets its savior, uh, it goes hard with it indeed. And Mr. Spurgeon understands, I, I believe correctly, uh, that when there's sin and we just refuse to deal, it affects us. And we know that, right? It, it has an effect on us. And, um, you know, the Lord, uh, I would say, Gary, we'd have to say God allows that as part of the, the divine chastening uh, of a loving father who, who wants us to be corrected, right? Uh, I understand that God could have prevented David when, when there was this sin and, and, and there was this um, emotional, physical toll, this depression with emotional and spiritual aspects. God could have prevented him from experiencing that, right? He's sovereign. He's powerful. He can do anything he chooses to do. And we talked about that earlier this afternoon, right? God, God does what God will do. He's able uh, to do whatever he chooses to do. He could have prevented David from experiencing that, but he didn't, uh, and he doesn't uh, because he wants us uh, to get right with him, to be right with him, to grow spiritually. Uh, he will allow various kinds of trials into our lives, uh, into our hearts, in order to encourage our confession and repentance. He wants us to be right with him, and that's not wrong. He's a good and loving God. Um, not allowed this uh, depression with physical and emotional challenges uh, built into it to encourage David to get right with him. He, he, he loved David. He loves us. He wanted David to be right with him. He wants us uh, to be right with him. And so God shows us here, hey, uh, unconfessed sin. When you've got sin and, and I'm dealing with you uh, and, and you're refusing to uh, confess it, when you choose to keep silence like David did, uh, at, at times, that, that's going to cause, that's going to lead to depression, uh, and it's not going to be easy. It's, it's going to be the real thing. Uh, so David shows us that. Uh, the Lord shows us that through David's experience, the experience that God allowed in, in David's life. Uh, and then in verse 5, <laughs> thankfully, things turn around quickly, Mike, and uh, aren't you glad the Lord can turn things around quickly? Aren't you glad for that tonight? The Lord can turn things around quickly. You know, you, you can... You can refuse over a long period of time to get right with God. If you choose, uh, he'll allow that. 
Uh, you allow yourself to get very depressed and suffer all the consequences of that. Uh, but uh, when we choose to confess, get right with him, he can turn things around very quickly. And I believe you see that here tonight. David, uh, he recounts here the, the immediate benefit of having confessed his sin. He understood there was sin at the root of his depression, and he got right. He, he confesses that, uh, and, and he, he just... He describes how God began to pour in blessing upon blessing upon blessing for that. He says, I acknowledged my sin unto thee. Now he's praying. This, this is a prayer. He says, Lord, I, I acknowledge my sin unto thee. I, I confessed it. I agreed with you finally. After this long time of keeping silence and experiencing all the chastisement that I experienced, he says, finally, Lord, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, unto you, and mine iniquity uh, have I hid not. You can't hide it from God anyway, so you might as well confess it. Amen? He, David says, I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And he did. Uh, evidently, he did. This is, this is his testimony. When he, when he refused to do that, he suffered consequences. When he chose uh, to confess, get right, uh, he experienced these wonderful blessings. And I want to encourage you, just make a list now, okay? Let's just make a list. little catalog here of blessings that um, David experienced when he finally confessed his sin. The first thing I want you to see here tonight is that he found forgiveness. <laughs> he, he found forgiveness. Uh, yes, we have a God who, is, who has great wrath at sin, uh, but you know, Christ is the basis for forgiveness. So forgiveness is available to us. It's, it's been secured for us. He says, um, uh, he says and thou... Uh, next part of verse 5, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. I confessed it to you, Lord, uh, and, and the first blessing, the first, the first blessing that, that God poured into his heart was just this reminder that uh, a humble man who confesses sin, he's forgiven. Isn't there a comfort in that tonight? Isn't there a comfort in knowing that whatever the sin is, it's forgiven? Is there a comfort in that tonight? Well, I, I encourage you to just kind of think about that for a minute. We don't find a license to sin in that. Paul would say, God forbid, right? But we find a great comfort in that truth. Whatever sin I choose to run into or wander into or, you know, have you to believe I fell into, uh, it's, it is forgiven because of Christ if I'm saved. I understand the Lord will chasten me until I confess it, get right with him. That's what David uh, shows us here. That's what he reveals. But Boy, you come to the Lord and, and you find a gracious God who is ready uh, and able and willing to forgive. I'll give you a couple of cross-references here. Just write the reference, Psalm 86 and verse 5. Psalm 86 and verse 5, the psalmist says, For thou, Lord, art good. Amen? He's good. Uh, and ready to forgive. Ready to forgive. Uh, and plenteous and mercy unto all them that call upon thee. I'm encouraged by that as a believer, but that's a verse you can use with unbelievers too. Hey, the Lord is ready to forgive you, lost person, right? People say, you don't know what I've done. Uh, you don't know how, how terrible my sin is. My answer to that is, yeah, you're right. I probably don't want to know either, and you don't want to know mine either. 
All that really matters is that no matter how horrible your sin is, God is good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon him. That's encouraging. That ought to encourage us and comfort us as believers. But boy, as I said this morning, get a hold of that for yourself uh, and then be prepared to share that with lost people who may be struggling with that also. Uh, David goes on here in, in verse 6 and he says he's kind of reflecting back on where he's been. Uh, sinned, didn't want to confess, suffered the consequences, uh, and now finally, through the chastening of God, he realizes that, uh, you know what? He says, for this uh, shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee. He says, you know what? Godly people, men of God, women of God, children of God, uh, when, when we've sinned, uh, those among us who are, who are truly godly, you know what? We, we confess. That's, that's what God desires. That's what he's shown us over and over again uh, in his word. It's the right thing to do. Uh, and why wouldn't we, right? Why, why wouldn't we? God is ready and able and willing to forgive because of Christ. He says, for this, everyone that is godly, pray unto thee. Uh, if, if the Lord is gnawing at you tonight, there's some sin that needs to be confessed and, uh, and left behind. Uh, the only thing that makes sense is to say, Lord, of course I agree with you. You're God. You're convicting me because there is that sin in my heart, in my life. And uh, for whatever reason, I, I, I've been um, refusing to, to agree, to confess. Maybe it's because I don't think I have the strength to put it off and put on obedience in its place. But Lord, I'm going to just begin tonight by confessing the sin because that's what a godly person does. Uh, and then I'll look to you for grace to put off the sin uh, and to put on obedience in its place. Next part of verse 6 says, In a time when, when thou mayest be found. Um, there's a few ways to understand the balance of, of this verse. Uh, one thing I know for sure is that when we come to the Lord, uh, he can be found. Amen? When we come to the Lord, he, he can be found. He's there for us, right? He, he's there for us. Uh, sometimes if you've allowed yourself to stray a little bit, uh, you know, you, you go to Lord in prayer, knock, 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 like, like kind of wondering, is, is God home today? Because it feels that way, right? Because you've strayed away. But he doesn't go anywhere, right? He's always there for us. He's always available to us. Um, I understand that uh, that's a truth, and, and, and we do well to hold on to that truth. Also understand there'll be a time, um, and I think here in the balance of the verse, David is really getting to... Uh, people who refuse to come confessing sin uh, for salvation, uh, for salvation. Uh, he says, listen, there, there's going to be time when lost people uh, who, who spent their whole life refusing uh, to confess sin, come to the Lord, acknowledging their sin and uh, putting their faith in Christ for, for forgiveness, there's going to be time when it's too late for them. And uh, he references kind of as an illustration, I believe, the flood of, of Noah's day. And, you know, the ark was built and uh, Noah was preaching and encouraging people to repent, and come into the ark, and, uh, and no one did except for his family, right? Uh, and when the, only when the rain started coming down and coming up from the ground also, right, people no doubt realized, hey, we, we've literally missed the boat. We, we had an opportunity to confess, to, to repent, uh, to be forgiven, and, and now it's too late. He says, surely in the, in the flood, of great waters, last part of verse 6, uh, they, shall, they shall not come uh, nigh unto him. So, you know, there is, there is a time in the future when it's going to be too late 
uh, to confess. And of course, that, that's lost people. Uh, that's lost people there. But that's not us. That's, we're forgiven, right? We're saved. Uh, we're forgiven. We're saved. Uh, we, we just come and, and, and confess our sins as, as believers to keep our relationship right with the Lord and uh, to have a life that he's able and willing to bless. But boy, when I, when I see a phrase like the, well, the middle and, and last part of verse 6 here, Gary, I'm reminded, boy, um, there, there will be a time when, when people who refuse to come confessing for salvation that it's going to be too late. And we don't know how far down the road too late is, but we know it's coming. And so that ought to be an encouragement to us to, to share the gospel as much as we can uh, with as many people as, as we possibly can. Well, let's come back here to kind of the, the, the major theme and, and the flow here. David's confessed, and, and, and God is, is blessing him now. The Lord's reminding him that, that he's forgiven, and he, he receives that reminder as a blessing. I confess my sin, and, uh, and I'm forgiven. I'm restored to the Lord, to my walk. Uh, God's reminding me of, of, of my uh, forgiveness uh, as a man of God. Uh, and then he's, he, he's reminded of God's protection uh, from the consequences of sin. Uh, let me stop and ask you, have we seen already tonight, have we already seen tonight that sin can have great consequences? Have we? We've already seen that, right? Uh, David's heart was just burdened. I mean, he's just dragged down to the worst place by sin and, and, and just refusing to get right. And the Lord allowed him to suffer uh, so that he would be encouraged to get right with his Lord. And uh, yeah, sin had consequences. But having gotten right, he's blessed with the reminder that uh, a man of God confesses he, he's forgiven. Uh, and, and having done that, uh, having confessed the sin, uh, he's protected uh, from the consequences of sin. Now, understand tonight, before, before anyone says, or I know you won't yell it out, but understand we've, we've said, we've taught, we've preached, and, and believe truthfully that sometimes, um, even after we confess the sin, there can be consequences that linger on, right? Like if you make a sinful financial decision, the consequences can linger on for a period of time or a sinful decision with re regarding a relationship or, or something where there's going to be some practical consequences uh, that, that linger on. I understand that that's a fact. And that, ought, that, that fact, that reality ought to really encourage us, remind us to you know, be careful, stay close to the Lord, uh, you know, uh, look to him daily for, for grace to, to walk in, in, in truth and, and righteousness. But... Um, so there's the practical consequences of sin, but uh, the spiritual consequences of sin, uh, the minute we confess, the minute we get right, we, we are protected from those. Uh, the, the, Lord's, the Lord's heart is to rejoice our heart when we get right with him. Uh, and, and I believe this is what David is, is saying in verse 7. Uh, having confessed the sin, uh, he's, he's blessed with reminder that he's forgiven, uh, and he's blessed with the reminder, the Lord blesses him with the reminder that um, <laughs> the Lord is able and willing to protect him from the spiritual consequences of sin. Tell me if the language of verse 7 doesn't suggest that. He, David says in verse 7, Lord, thou art my what? You're my safe place. You're my hiding place. God, you are my hiding place. Thou art my hiding place. 
He says, thou shalt preserve me from trouble. He's just been in all sorts of trouble emotionally and spiritually. He's kind of crumbling down. But, but having gotten right with the Lord, the Lord blesses him with this reminder. Hey, I can protect you. I, I can bless you now. I can, I can turn off the, the chastening and, uh, and the depression that, that, I, that I allowed because of, of your choice, not God's choice, David's choice. I can shut that down. Uh, and bless you now with this wonderful encouragement that will lift you up. Uh, yes, David, I'm your hiding place. Yes, David, I'll, I'll preserve you from the kind of trouble that you've been known uh, as a blessing. This is a blessing for your confession. David says, thou shalt compass me about with songs of what? Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> it's just deliverance. David says, Lord, uh, he's, he, he's just receiving this wonderful encouragement from the Lord. And, uh, and he, he says, thou shalt compass me about uh, with songs of deliverance. Um, did you ever have a compass in school? What, what does a compass do? It draws circles? Is that that, that thing? Not, not the one. I, I didn't mean like the, in the car. That's a circle too, right? But what is that? The compass will tell you directions, right? But it's based on a 360 degree circle, right? And the thing you had in school with the pointy thing and the pencil, that helped you draw a circle, right? That's very technical, isn't it? Isn't that good? It's, it's technical, right? Uh, the compass, that, this is the idea, surrounding like a circle. All, all that to say this. <laughs> David says, uh, as God is encouraging him, he understands that uh, Having confessed his sin, God wants to bless him and encourage him. And he says, that, Lord, thou, thou will compass me, surround me, encircle me, surround me uh, with songs of deliverance. And, you know, we can understand that a few ways. But I, I think what David is saying is that, Brother Ray, God has just put a joy in his heart that he's been delivered from all of the difficulty that, that he suffered when refusing to get right, all the chastening. He's been, he's been delivered by that, and the Lord is, has brushed all of that away, swept all of that away, uh, and replaced it with the new song in his heart, a song of deliverance, or a desire to celebrate the fact that God's delivered him from all of that difficulty, all, all of that depression as a blessing for, for having finally gotten right. Uh, in Psalm 119 and verse 114, the psalmist says, Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. Uh, we just go on and on. There's a few places in Scripture where uh, this uh, compass me or compass me about language. Uh, we find Psalm 32, nope, Psalm uh, 5 and verse 10. The psalmist says, For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor or grace wilt thou compass him as with a shield. Um, having confessed sin, David, David is confident that the Lord will compass him about with songs of deliverance, causing him uh, to sing praises, uh, to glorify God, to praise him for this deliverance. Maybe tonight you can think of another man who did that, a man who, who sang a song uh, having been rescued or, or delivered by the Lord. I'm thinking about Moses. Uh, I couldn't remember the reference. I looked it up tonight. Uh, in Exodus 15 and verse 2, the song of Moses. Uh, Moses sung, the Lord is my strength and song, uh, and he has become my salvation. Uh, he is my God, and I will prepare him in habitation, my father's God, and I will exalt him. 
Uh, the Lord is a God who desires to bless his people, and uh, he's a God who deserves to be praised in song and uh, however else we can praise him. Uh, that, that same song that Moses sang, celebrating the Lord's deliverance, uh, we see that in, in the future in Revelation 15. You can just make a note, Revelation 15:3. those who are described as overcoming the beast uh, they sing, they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only, thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee. Uh, he's God who's worthy of praise. Uh, he's God who's worthy of praise for being a God who delivers his people from all sorts of difficulties, uh, chastening uh, as a blessing when we get right with him. And we see here, uh, David confessed his sin. God seems to turn off the depression and the suffering and it puts that off and, and, and blesses David with what? What have we seen? Number one, we've seen forgiveness. Uh, we've seen uh, protection from the consequence of sin. Um, and now look in verse 8 with me here, the blessing of uh, instruction and guidance from the Lord. Uh, let me read the verse. We'll say a couple things about it. Verse 8, he says, uh, seems to be the Lord speaking here back to David. I will instruct thee. I will instruct thee and teach thee. This is not David talking to the Lord, right? David's, Mike, David's not going to instruct the Lord and teach the Lord, right? So this has to be the Lord speaking back to him. David's been praying and praising God, and the Lord speaks back to him. I will instruct thee and teach thee uh, in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee uh, with mine eye. That sounds like a blessing to me. Uh, it sounds like a, a as much of a blessing uh, as the chastening was chastening. This is, this is that much of a blessing now. Uh, you know, when, you, when you're depressed, a lot of times you feel like you don't know where to go or what to do, right? You still, a lot of times you just feel like, I don't, I don't know what to do or where to go. Uh, you feel like you have no direction, uh, no guidance. Uh, sometimes you feel that way sometimes. It's not true, of course, because you can always go to the Lord and find his instruction uh, and guidance. This is exactly what God's saying to David. Hey, uh, you've, you've come, you've confessed the sin, I'm, I'm going to dial that chastening down and uh, pour in even more blessings now. Uh, the blessing of instruction and guidance from the Lord. And praise God for that. He, he washes away the feeling of listlessness and, 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 and just this, this sense of I, I don't know where to go or what to do. And, and he guides and teaches uh, and instructs us. And he does that, Gary, we understand primarily through his word, right? That, that would be the primary way that he does that. And so it's going to be on us to get in there and receive that instruction uh, as we saw today. And in the next verse, I think what the Lord is saying, uh, he's saying just that. You're, you're going to need to be teachable. You're going to need to be steerable like a ship and, and teachable. He says, I'll bless you, uh, a blessing for getting right with me, uh, for confessing sin and getting right with me. I'll bless you all these ways. But this particular one, at least, is, is going to be conditioned upon your willingness to receive instruction uh, and be steerable uh, like the ship. Uh, why do I say that? Well, verse 9 says, the Lord says to him, be not, he says to us <laughs> through David, be ye not as the horse. And it's interesting. It's been David dealing with God 
and God answering back to David, but now that pronoun is plural, right? So we know for sure this is all of us. God wants, this, God wants us to understand this is for all of us. Uh, that pronoun has changed, and I think the Lord's just kind of highlighting, hey, be reminded, this is not just for David. This is for all, all believers. He says, be ye not as the horse, stubborn horse or, or mule, uh, which, have no, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Uh, don't be a stubborn, stupid <laughs> mule uh, who has to be steered with, with the bit and the bridle, right? Um, he says, listen, you, you just be teachable. You, you, you open your mind uh, to the Lord and allow him to instruct you, and you allow him to guide you, and uh, he will steer you. Uh, he will steer you. Think about, um, stop and think for a moment, maybe ask yourself this question, um, am I teachable? <laughs> am, I, am I still teachable? Am I, am I deciding still to be teachable? Uh, pastors have to be teachable, right? Our job is to get in the Bible, search the scriptures, and then share the scriptures. So, uh, you know, we have to be. We have to be. Um, would, would you be able to say tonight, Lord, thank you for helping me to remain teachable, to remain um, open to you and, and to you teaching me through your words? Um, if you can't, you could just pray that, right? Lord, Lord help me to be teachable. Uh, help, help me... Uh, to kind of come off this idea that I know everything there is to know. By the way, I don't. Uh, I need to be taught by the Lord day in and day out, Brother Art, and, and that's okay. Uh, I, you know, learning from the Word of God is exciting, right? That's exciting. And I don't, I don't feel badly that I don't know every little thing that God might reveal to me in Scripture. That, that takes a lifetime and more, right? God will perfect our understanding in heaven, but as we spend time in his word with minds that are yielded to him and he shows us things that we've not seen or, or not understood before, that's exciting. Do you, you know what I mean? You, you, you find something that you've not seen or understood before and you just know God showed you that. You, you came with a, a yielded, teachable heart and the Lord showed you something. I don't know about you, but I'll say again, for me, that's exciting. Uh, you see examples of, of people throughout Scripture who are wonderfully uh, teachable. When Jesus, um, in Luke 11, you don't have to turn there, you just listen, came to pass that his Lord was praying in a certain place. Jesus was praying. The Bible says, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us, teach us to pray. We're talking about prayer, uh, some of us, after the morning service, and you know, we struggle at times to know what to pray or how to pray, and uh, we're talking about how it can be hard to kind of reconcile and bring together all the teaching on prayer and scripture and kind of let that inform our prayer life in kind of a unified way. That's a challenge at times. Uh, one of the disciples came and said, Lord, I, you know, I don't know how to pray. Teach me to pray. Well, praise God. That, that's a teachable heart. He just asked the Lord, Lord, teach me. To, we could do that too. Lord, teach us to pray. Uh, help us to see in your word uh, where, where you're teaching us. But, you know, help us to get that settled in our mind, how, how to pray. And you think of other examples of, of teachable people in Scripture. Can you think of one? Just stop and think. Can I think of a great example of someone in Scripture who who had a desire to be taught, instructed, and, and led. I, I was thinking about this this week. I thought, well, what about the eunuch? What about the Ethiopian eunuch, right? Uh, he, he obviously had an interest in the Lord. 
Uh, he, he had been in Jerusalem to worship uh, and uh, evidently had, had seen uh, some things, uh, baptism being one of them, and, and he wanted to be baptized, right? He said, hey, I, I want to do that thing everybody else is doing, right? He wanted to be left out of that. In Acts 8, right, he came, uh, the Lord had guided um, Philip uh, to the eunuch. Um, and the eunuch said, hey, how can I... Um, except some man should guide me, desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. I, I should have brought more of that <laughs> passage in. I'm sorry I didn't. But you, you remember he had a desire to be baptized, and, and Philip asked him if he understood what he had been reading in the Scriptures. And his response was, well, I don't, I don't think I can unless someone will come and teach me and, and guide me in these things. And he just had this wonderful uh, heart that someone, anyone, would come and, and, and teach him and guide him so he can understand salvation and then be baptized. Well, that's wonderful. And we, of course, it's just a couple of examples we could look at. Lord, help us to be teachable. Help us to remember that no matter what we've learned, there's that much more to learn. And uh, Lord, help us when... When you teach us, when, when you reveal yourself and, and, and aid our understanding and show us things from your word that we, we've not understood as completely or how it might apply in a new situation, Lord, help us to rejoice in that. Help us to recognize that that's a blessing. You know, when, when the Lord opens your eyes to how Scripture applies to a situation that you're in today, that's a blessing. Thank the Lord for him. Rejoice in that and, and thank him. And David understood this. This, this is a blessing. And uh, in, in his case, it was a blessing specifically for getting right with the Lord. Uh, having confessed the sin, the Lord would show him how to get right, how to stay right now. Showed him how to get right, confess the sin. And, and no doubt in this context, uh, the Lord, Lord showing him that, that he will teach him how to stay right. David also celebrates the blessing of God's mercy. We're almost done here. Uh, verse 10, verse 10. Uh, he says, many sorrows shall be to the wicked. Yeah, he, he had known some real sorrow and having not confessed his own personal wickedness. But he that trusteth in the Lord, he says, mercy shall compass. There's that word again. Mercy shall compass him about. He'll, he'll, he'll understand the Lord's mercy and he'll understand that he's just surrounded by and, and bathed in, compassed about um, the Lord, in Lord's mercy, uh, singing of the Lord's deliverance, having been compassed about in that, uh, also praising God for uh, surrounding him, compassing him about uh, in mercy. Write down this reference, Isaiah 55 and verse 7. The Bible says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. This great promise of Scripture. Um, read a couple, maybe one more verse. Psalm 86, verse 15. Psalmist says, But thou, O Lord, are a God full of compassion. Praise God, he's full of compassion. And gracious, long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy and truth. Psalm 86, verse 15. Rich, that's, that's a wonderful verse. Uh, we have a wonderfully compassionate, merciful God who desires to just pour in understanding of these things as a blessing, uh, as an encouragement when we get right with him. So uh, the Lord has just poured blessing, layer and layer upon blessings 
uh, of David's, into David's life, in, into his heart, crowding out the depression that, that no doubt was rooted in his sin and lack of, lack of confession. And God's crowding that out as he pours in the blessings. And uh, is, is, you can just tell David's being rejoiced in these blessings that God is, is pouring in. By the time we get to the end here, verse 11, uh, he just exclaims this. He's, he's the beneficiary of these blessings, and, and, and he's rejoicing, uh, not depressed and, and not bemoaning a situation and not, not decrying all, all the difficulty like we saw back in verses 3 and 4, right? Now he's rejoicing, and uh, he exclaims in verse 11, be glad in the Lord. <laughs> be glad. Uh, those of you that are right with him, be glad in the Lord and rejoice Ye righteous, that's who he's talking to here, uh, the, those, that, those that have gotten right with the Lord. He says, be glad in the Lord uh, and rejoice. That's a command. That's, that's grammatically a command, uh, an imperative. It, it's something that we are commanded to do. I don't feel joy and re start rejoicing. <laughs> you know, choose, choose to rejoice uh, in the Lord and, and let God pour in the blessing of joy for that. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy. Shout for joy, all ye that are what? What does it say? Verse 11. End of verse 11. What's it say? All ye that are what? Upright in heart. God, help us to be right with you. And Lord, as, as you give us uh, grace to confess the sin, Lord, you search our hearts, convict us. Give us grace to confess the sin. Uh, to get right with you, Lord, would you pour these same blessings uh, into my life? Uh, wonderful confidence at forgiveness. Uh, a wonderful, a wonderful um, song of deliverance. A rejoicing that I've been delivered from the spiritual, emotional consequences of sin. Uh, Lord, a wonderful confidence in your instruction and guidance. Lord, a wonderful confidence in your mercy. And Lord, a wonderful confidence in, in joy and rejoicing that comes from you. Read a couple of verses, we're done. Psalm 33 and verse 1 again says, Command, rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, uh, for praise is calmly, for, calmly uh, appropriate for the upright. Uh, Psalm 97 and verse 12, we'll stop there. Psalm 97 and verse 12 says, Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, tonight for this psalm. Lord, it's here because we need it, and I thank you for it. Lord, I thank you tonight for the reminder that when we're right with you, there's blessings. And Lord, um, confidence in you and joy and rejoicing. But when we're not right, when we're not right, there's correction. And it's, it's, it's loving correction, but boy, it can be hard. Lord, it can take the form of a very difficult depression if we allow it to go to that place. Lord, I pray tonight that uh, when we find ourselves there, that you'd give us a heart to confess, to simply say, Lord, you're right, I'm wrong. Lord, you're right, I've done wrong. Lord, you're right, I've sinned against you. Lord, you're right, I've, I've sinned against you and I've... I've refuse to agree, I've refused to confess, I've refused to seek strength from you to confess and to put off the sin and to put on obedience in its place. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. 
Father, I pray tonight that as we do get right with you, that you would pour in all the blessings that David writes of here for your honor and for your glory. Lord, make that our desire, that these things would be for your honor and your glory in our lives. Father, I thank you tonight that you do understand that your people struggle, that we find ourselves down at times, find ourselves depressed at times. Lord, I thank you tonight that you show us the way out of that. Lord, I understand tonight other places in Scripture, sometimes the issue is uh, the, the sin that needs to be confessed is too much focus on our trials and too little focus on you. The answer again is to confess the sin, <laughs> to forsake the sin, take our eyes off our struggles, our trials, and put our eyes back upon you. Choose to rejoice in you. Lord, I thank you tonight that you're always there for us, ready, able, and willing to hear our prayers and to pour blessings back into the lives of your people when we confess our sin. Lord, search our hearts tonight. If there's things that we need to confess, I pray tonight you give us grace to do that. Simply say, Lord, I agree, this is sin. Help me to forsake it for your honor and your glory. Lord, as I do, bless me for your honor and for your glory. Give you a moment to pray. Lord, I thank you tonight that when we're down or depressed or struggling, you are there for us. We find answers in your word, and they're the right answers. They're the right medicine for your people when we struggle. Lord, I thank you tonight that even if our trial, our struggles, our depression persists for a time, we can know for sure that you're right there with us the whole way. Lord, you do not forsake us. You're always there with us no matter what. Father, I understand tonight that you allow trials to persist for a time. You always have your purposes. And Lord, help us not to question you tonight, but just to seek you and your word and its application in our struggle, our trials. Lord, I pray tonight as we uh, seek daily to be right with you, as we seek daily to keep short accounts with you, you would bless us as you did, David, with all the blessings that we see here. Lord, I pray that for my church family, for myself. Lord, I pray that our blessings from you, yeah, they would be blessings for us. But ultimately, they would bring you honor and glory. Lord, give us hearts tonight to have lives that bring you honor and glory and please you. It is a privilege, Lord, beyond my comprehension that our lives could bring you honor and glory and pleasure, but
But I, I marvel and rejoice tonight that we can because of Christ, because of you working in our lives toward that end. Lord, that's an amazing privilege tonight. Help us to count it as just that. Lord, I thank you that you're there to help us always. We are never helpless, even when we feel that way. Uh, feelings lie, you never do. You're always there for us. And tonight, Father, I thank you once again for that. Lord, I love you. I thank you tonight for your love. I thank you for this church and, and for faithful people. Lord, I pray tonight that you bless each and every one of them. Father, I love you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Brother Garcia.